Loving Father, we thank you that we can gather this morning. We ask that you would speak to our hearts and our minds and again show us the glory and wonder that is your Son, Jesus. Lead us in the way of repentance and faith. We ask this all to your praise and glory. Amen. Uh, Please be seated and good morning again. Uh, We're in Psalm 46 this morning. Psalm 46. I hope you have uh, your Bibles open. Uh, Notice as we come to Psalm 46, verse 1, the psalm starts with God. That's a good start, isn't it? Verse 1, God is our strength and refuge and ever-present help in trouble. In fact, I think we sang that in our first hymn, didn't we? You start with God. But this is contrasted with something that's chaotic. Can you see verse 2? What is it that's chaotic? It's verse 2, the earth gives way, mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Now, when do mountains fall into the heart of the sea? When does that happen? I actually Googled that, you know. I was genuinely curious. It's going to happen in Norway, apparently. The mountain is called Aknes. Scientists are waiting for 50 to 60 million cubic metres of mountain to fall into the sea. And it's not a matter of if, but when. And then the website linked me to a page called visitnorway.com. So you can go and stand on this mountain if you want to and pray to God it doesn't fall in on top of you. I thought it was ironic. I don't know how that works for tourism, Peter, but uh, there it is. Uh, Did you see um, they expect this event will create an 85-metre high tsunami of sorts? And we know how destructive tsunamis are, how frightening they are. In fact, there's a tsunami in verse 3. Can you see it? As the mountains fall, verse 2, into the heart of the sea, verse 3, waters roar and foam and mountains quake at their surging. And so sometimes I call this the disaster movie psalm because it kind of reads that way. Uh, When the Dracots were in Thailand earlier this year, uh, it was very sobering to see tsunami warning signs near the beach. And they basically tell you what way to run in the event of a tsunami and it's up the hill. And the children were interested and they were like, Dad, what? what's that about? What's a... Tried to read the word tsunami, not actually easy. And we said, well, you can, you can imagine a, a big wave of water, 10 storeys high, coming across the bay there, uh, and us running that way up the hill. Uh, eventually they recovered, but the prospect really is quite frightening. And the question must be, as we read Psalm 46, well, what are we to do amidst all of this? And the answer, of course, is verse 4 and 5. See the refuge that uh, it zeroes in on. Verse 4, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. See, these verses are good because this is where God is. 
the city of God is safe and it's safe because God himself is there. And we might go, well, but where is it? And the answer is, well, it's where God is. It's a holy place. It's there in the city of God that his presence is experienced. It's where God exercises his power and his presence and his rule. And so better see the contrast. Though mountains, mountains that maybe for some are symbols of security and stability, though they might slide into the sea, look, look, God's city won't do that, verse 5. It will not slide or slip. And so God's presence gives stability even on a day when chaos rears its head. But there's more because here is divine protection and stability in a world where even powerful foreign nations are fundamentally unstable. Now you just we just need to flick on the news to know how unstable the foreign nations are. You've got the US and Iran 10 minutes away from from war. Uh, we've got tension with China and Russia, the list goes on. Our world is far from stable. Verse 6, nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, he lifts his voice and the earth melts. And so mountains fall and so do kingdoms as well. And the point is the same, that with the Lord, there is no contest. There is no contest. World powers, no contest. So look at verse 8. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes the wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Here's an invitation to look at the activity of God. As we read those verses, a question we might ask is, well, when has the Lord ever done that? Desolations caused, wars ended. When did God do that? Uh, the temptation might be to actually jump forward and think about this as the end of history, but it's it's past tense here. It's what the Lord has done. And we just finished reading Exodus last week, didn't we? The whole book we did over a number of weeks. And some people think the background of Psalm 46 is actually the Red Sea crossing. All that we heard about in our first reading that Thea gave for us in Exodus 15. There are parallels in Exodus 15. So we didn't look at this song in our series, but if you're a quick Bible flicker, it, it might be worth your while coming back to Exodus 15. And you can see how it starts. In verse 2 it says, The Lord is my strength and my defence. He has become my salvation. That sounds like Psalm 46 to me. And there are other parallels. This is really, this is a song in the book of Exodus. You can think of this as Moses getting his Hugh Jackman on if you like breaks out into song. He sings about rising water in verse 5. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. 
or verse 8, by the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up, the surging waters stood up like a wall, the deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. Or verse 10, you blew with your breath and the sea covered them, they sank. Uh, and on it goes. And, and uh, the earth, the earth seems to swallow in verse 15, or verse 12 rather. You stretch out your, your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. Uh, or it just seems to go on and on. Nations even are terrified in verse 14 and 15. And the hope in this song of Moses and Miriam, it's the same hope that Psalm 46 has. And what is it? It's the hope of, uh, of living where God is, being in his dwelling place, arriving at his holy dwelling. And that's the book of Exodus, but this is also Psalm 46 as well. Psalm 46 seems to be a song that harks back to this event. And maybe the sons of Korah, whoever wrote this psalm, have amped up Moses' song and put a different riff to it, maybe. And so we see now in, Exodus, in Psalm 46, we see God's power. We see his control over world history being sung about. Even that which seems to be chaos is deemed to be the work, the hand of God. Both the nations and the earth, which earlier posed a chaos and danger, well now they're avenues of praise. Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. There it is again. So we come to Psalm 46, and having looked at Exodus, we remember again how futile it is to contend against God. How arrogant we are to think there's even a contest. Now, one way or another, God always has his way. There is nothing that can subvert his good purposes. When we read Psalm 46, we are to see that we are not all the makers of our own destinies. That God is. And that he will be exalted irrespective of any obstacle. See, what might be challenging for you at the moment as a follower of Jesus? What is the battle that you are facing? Maybe it's even a ministry thing, a lay ministry thing. could be anything. Do you get discouraged by what you deem to be obstacles or threats? And the encouragement here in Psalm 46 is that God is bigger than all of that. That he is the Lord of history. And he doesn't make mistakes. See also the refrain throughout the psalm, verse 7. The confidence, the Lord is with us, God himself is our fortress. Or verse 11, same thing, the Lord is with us, God is our fortress. And so what do we do, what do we need to do when we're feeling assailed or vulnerable or weak or in danger? What, what do we need to do if we feel like we're drowning or suffocating or everything feels like it's crashing down around us? 
How we just respond when we're feeling weak and insecure and maybe afraid, or even maybe under, under judgment somehow. And the answer is we are to look to the strong and secure one. We are to remember that God is with us, that God is our fortress. We are to look to the city. We are to look to God and remember that he is our refuge and strength, verse 1. And because God is our refuge and strength, we do not fear. We do not fear. So we don't have to panic. Life can be a nightmare. This psalm tells me that when life feels like a nightmare, to pause. When it all feels like it's going pear-shaped, we're to stop and we're to breathe and we're to trust. Verse 10, be still and know that the Lord is God, that he is our strength and refuge. Here also is another reminder of why prayer is good for the soul. Here's another reminder why stopping and meditating on God's word is so good for us. But we need to do more with this psalm, don't we? Because, you know, everything I've just said uh, could be preached in a synagogue. Uh, but we're not in a synagogue. We're, in, we're the church and, and we follow Jesus. So what are, what are we, how are we to understand this in light of Jesus? It's an important question for us this morning. We heard the New Testament's reading, didn't we? When the waters foamed and roared and the storm rose up. Who was the one that calmed the storm? It was Jesus, wasn't it? And he talked about moving mountains too, didn't he? That's, that's interesting. And Jesus brings in his kingdom and he reverses everywhere Jesus goes. You know, he reverses the curse of sickness and blindness and paralysis and broken relationships and death. Every person he touches... That brokenness of the curse is undone as they come into the presence of Jesus. He undoes the chaos. And so the God of Psalm 46 we meet clearly in the Gospels, in human flesh, in the person of Jesus. But there's more. Because it's this same Jesus who would eventually experience the curse and the chaos himself, isn't it? As he subjects himself to the world and the nations, as Jesus suffers betrayal and torture and ridicule and interrogation and execution and death on a cross. So we've learned this morning that, well, you know, well might the psalmist cry, well, God is our fortress, but... Can you see Jesus outside of the city now? Can you see Jesus outside of the fortress, so to speak? That fortress we know as Jerusalem, as he is subjected to humiliation and weakness. As death has its claim and the nations seem to have their way and as he fell. And to the ever-present God... The God who we know is our strength and refuge. 
Jesus cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the sky went black and the sun went out. And this very same Jesus, God's son, dies on a cross. Now that's chaos. It's chaos that humanity would execute God. What a terrible indictment on us that we, humanity, would do that. And why, 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 why would God allow this? And the answer, of course, is just like Israel, we all need to be redeemed. We need to be rescued. And God in his love doesn't leave us the way uh, as we are. God in his love doesn't weak, leave us weak and insecure and helpless. See his strength and security, our help in trouble, as God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He entered the chaos and he undoes the chaos and he kicks sin and evil, uh, the curse, death. He kicks it all in the bum. He shows love to a proud, broken, undeserving, chaotic, confused and rebellious people. And the promise is that at the end of world history, the evil and the chaos will be no more. The day is coming. The pain and agony of this world will be no more as Christ returns and brings eternal peace. Where all, according to Philippians 2, all will bow down to the name of Jesus and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And those in Christ will dwell forever and ever. Now that is all good news. But the question is still, well, what do we do in the meantime? And the answer is still the same. You don't have to run and fix everything. Whatever's going on in your life, you do not have to run and fix everything. You don't have to panic. I need to remember I am not the strong and secure one. I'm not the Lord of history. I need to ask myself, well, who made you God? And the answer, of course, is no one. Because my Lord is my God and your Lord is your God. And the command here is to stop, to be still and to know him and to remember his saving work and to not be afraid. So that whatever the world buffets you with, whether it's nature or war or sickness or other people, whatever our worries, see the command of God that invites us to stop and to trust him and to know the powerful presence of God through faith in Christ Jesus. See, chaos is chaos for a reason. It's always so busy, isn't it? When is chaos not busy? But the command here is to be still. To pause. And the encouragement is to look to the cross and to see God's love for us there, to see his saving power, to be still. 
And to see Jesus fix the problem of sin and death and evil. Uh, We might feel today vulnerable and weak and even powerless. But we trust the one with all the strength and the power. Do you feel like you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders? The invitation in here is to repent of that. And to look to our risen Saviour, Jesus. And to trust him. Our strength. Our refuge. Our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Amen.